Welcome back to Animation Fascination. I'm Mark River, and with me again is Stanford Clark. Hey, how's it going? And this episode is episode 95. And if you guys haven't listened to this podcast before, this show focuses on the world of animation. In each episode, we feature all the latest news from around the animation industry and the main topic, discussing a TV series, film, or something else. Whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion, if it's animated, it's up for discussion to geek out about. Uh, so like I said, this is episode 95 of Animation Fascination. Uh, this is going to be a news edition episode uh, for November of 2022, as well as kind of a semi-tribute to uh, the recently um, dearly departed Kevin Conroy, a.k.a. the voice of Batman. Uh, so, before we get into basically our, our main topic slash news for this week, uh, I had a few uh, of the Cinemark new releases uh, reviews to go over kind of quickly here at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, Warner Brothers just recently on November 1st uh, had a bunch of re-releases that they put out on 4K for the first time. And got sent these uh like about a week or so after they came out which is kind of interesting i think sometimes they do that with uh like their films that they like aren't like quote unquote new releases but are just like re-releases of all their older films uh but so the the four films that they just put out in 4k were uh national lampoon's christmas vacation elf uh christmas story and then the one that is the most pertinent to this uh, podcast, because it's animation related, is the Polar Express. So I'll go through these kind of quickly, because a lot of the features on here are like, so if you already own the Blu-ray, or even if you have the DVD in some cases for these, it's there's not really any new bonus features. The new, quote-unquote, newness with these is just the 4K remaster and picture f for the, the movies. So, uh, Christmas Vacation, no new stuff on there. It's uh, the like the commentary with like Randy Quaid, Beverly D'Angelo, uh, uh, Jonathan Galicki, uh, Miriam Flynn, and then the director as well as producer, uh, and that and the theatrical trailer. So that's pretty much it on there. But then the the 4K uh, picture on this looks amazing. Uh, I would highly recommend checking this out, it, especially. This is orientated to, because you know how the opening to Christmas Vacation is the animated opening to it. So that hand-drawn uh, animated opening sequence also looks really great in 4K now, too. Uh, animation in general always usually looks really good in 4K, whether it's like hand-drawn animation or CG. Cause just because I think it's easier in some aspect for the HD or like 4k masters to to be redone on these i know like with all of like the the pixar films when they went back for, like from toy story onward up to now Lightyear, uh at least with the ones that hadn't been released initially in 4k they went back and re-rendered all of those films in 4k so that when you're watching those movies on like a 4k disc or on disney plus and 4k that's like it's actually it's not an upscale it's actually they've actually gone back into those original files and re-rendered the entire movies 
into the, the higher 4K definition, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, going from Christmas Vacation to a Christmas Story, uh, this is also all the same bonus features if you had the Blu-ray or DVD um, commentary with Bob Clark and Peter Billingsley. Uh, and there's also uh, featurettes about another Christmas story, uh, Daisy Red Rider, A History, and Get a Leg Up. So, you know, uh, featurettes on the Red Rider BB gun and the infamous uh, lamp that Stanford may have seen uh, <laughs> while on his adventures in Italy because it's fragile. Uh, it must exactly, be it's fragile. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's a great award. Uh this also looks great in 4K. A lot of the times, actually, older films look better in 4K than new films because anything shot on actual film is... Well, it's it's easier to do a remaster of that film than, say, if something was shot natively in like a digital uh, format. It's harder to upscale something from like something that was shot like in 2K like that in a digital format up to the the 4k resolution um which is kind of so there i mean there's plenty of upsides to shooting digitally but this specifically is like one of the areas where you see where there's like a downside to that especially when you're trying to uh with any like newer formats that have higher resolutions than what were available at the time that that movie was shot at those movies are going to be more difficult to upgrade to that higher resolution at that point um but again this is a a christmas classic they're doing the the sequel to it it's going to be on hbo max soon as well too the a christmas story christmas yes uh, i mean i i know there's been some other technically sequels to this uh like I know they did that the musical one that was on Fox I think a few years ago and then there was like something that was called like a Christmas story 2 which didn't have anybody from like the original film in it. Then there's also uh I think maybe not a, as many people know about it the my summer story or a summer story which is actually definitively a, a sequel to the a Christmas story. It's just not a Christmas movie and it's set during the summer but it's got like Charles Grodin and Mary Steen Virgin and Kieran and Culkin. Kieran and Culkin plays Ralphie in that. Okay. I've never seen that. Have you seen that? Uh, yeah, that one's pretty good. I'm From my time working at Blockbuster, I happened to see it. I was like, my summer story. And then I, and like I saw that there's a tagline and it said, um, after, it said something like after a Christmas story uh, this, about the summer Ralphie grew up or something like that. Um, it's, it's a good movie. I mean, it's, it's tangentially connected to a Christmas story just because it's supposed to be the same characters and everything. Yeah. Um, but I, th it's kind of like if you mixed, uh, maybe like a Christmas story with, uh, like the Sandlot, if that makes sense, or like My Girl. Okay. Interesting. Kind of, kind of like that kind of feeling to it, but it, it's a good movie and it's got a good set of actors in it too. So, I would definitely highly recommend it that. But I, I'm looking forward to this, the new Christmas Story Christmas with Peter Billingsley yeah, coming back. Because they're as he's playing himself as an adult, and yeah. and uh, I'm interested to to see what kind of direction, you know, yeah, to, they, to, they take the story. 
to see if uh, Tony Stark built this leg lamp in a cave, <laughs> a box of scraps. Exactly. And I, I also just saw today that the that house is for sale, which I thought was interesting because isn't it like a museum? Yeah, it's, it's a, at least being run. The way I understand, it, yeah, that it's, it's whoever owns that house is turned it into a, a museum, and you can go. And I don't know if it's open year round, but yeah, you can go take a tour of it. And, uh, I saw some news story about it a while ago. Yeah, that's interesting. Then it's getting sold. Then I wonder if I don't know. Hopefully, whoever buys it then keeps right, doing keeps that. it running. Just, yeah, but that would be something that I'd like to, to check out eventually someday. Um, oh, for sure, maybe absolutely. I know they. I think they ran an Airbnb at it. Like, oh, you know, I think you're right. Years. That would be that would be awesome to like stay at that at, on a Christmas, and like just set, <laughs> and like basically set it up that same way. Yeah. Uh, so going from that Christmas classic to another one is Elf, which I'm not a huge fan of the cover art that they did in this one. Uh, I know this podcast for this episode is purely just audio, but look up the the cover art for this uh, 4K release of Elf. It like it looks super weird with like like the the body of Buddy the Elf doing the snow angel. It's weird just because it's like a static image, so like it doesn't. This maybe would have been like a good lenticular cover design, where like if you moved it, like his arms and yeah. legs moved up and down. But it, it looks weird, like in a state, like a static, just kind of like laying in the snow image, and then like his face looks like it's a picture of Will Ferrell that was taken from another photo and like slapped on this. Yeah, it doesn't look good. They have like such good like art for this movie that it's weird that they chose this for like the cover, like especially because on the back there's a like a good image of Buddy the Elf there that like that would have been a an awesome a much better choice photo to it. So I'm not sure what what that choice was, but it is what it is, I guess. That yeah, I think I'm maybe one of the few people that still like kind of um, I don't know looks at like the cover that they do. Yeah, like, uh, overall package, releases. right? I mean, it's yeah. part of the collection, you know. Like sometimes I'll buy a specific like version of the movie just because i like the cover art yeah of it better yeah than than another version i sometimes uh, feel like the then, studios are lazy i don't know what it is mark maybe that's not fair to say but like that like this one is a perfect example of it like with so much stuff that's available and such a beloved movie too you think that they could step yeah. on their game a little bit for this 4k release this, yeah and two things that come to mind me too that i remember was the, there's I don't remember which two Ice Age movies it is, but there's a picture of uh, Diego, uh, Dennis Leary's Safety Tiger character. Yeah. On, on the cover of one of them, he's making, like this very distinctive face, and then this following film on the back, cover of that Blu-ray is the same, like kind of gallery image that they chose for that cover image on the previous film and they just have they like i think maybe they added something to like someone sitting on his head or something like that but it's the same picture and i was <laughs> they i sometimes i wonder if they just assume people don't like pay it that close attention yeah but like i did uh and like the the paddington one and paddington two 
DVD covers are exactly the same cover. It's just the marmalade sandwich that he's cu- holding oh, is like the whole sandwich on the first movie. And then the second movie, it's the sandwich is cut into the number two. Other than that, it's the same exact photo of Paddington on both of those covers. Again, this is me being like super OCD about... I, I worked at a movie store for seven and a half years, so like I you, ended up this is, noticing know, all this stuff, absolutely. like all these covers. So and then, this is a whole side tangent, but I remember like the Mister and Mrs. Smith, uh, cover art to that. Yeah. On the back on the back cover art of it, they used the same image, like with within like five centimeters of each other, because there's like the strip of images of like Brad Pitt's Mister Smith along the top and then the strip of images of Angelina Jolie's Mrs. Smith along like the bottom. Um, so they were kind of like the borders to it. And then in the, in between there, it was like a picture of them back to back. And one of those photos of Brad Pitt that was in like the, the top border image. Yeah. Is the same shot of him just beneath that with her. This is stuff I guess you can find uh, like if you go to like blu-ray.com and just like look up these movies you can pro- a lot of the times they have the front and back cover art to this stuff. Yeah. So if you're as, as this randomly OCD about uh, movie uh, and DVD and blu-ray cover as I am there there you go you can check it out there. Um, but the the last of these films the one that has is actually animated is the Polar Express uh and this is one of Robert Zemeckis' uh, animated films. Did uh, he did with the um, what was it the Image Movers? Uh, Image much Movers, like their motion capture technology. Marshman. Yeah, like Christmas Story uh, with Jim Carrey, or not Christmas Story, Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah, and Mars Mars Needs Moms, Beowulf, uh, R.I.P. Image Movers, uh, but. I mean, this movie's been notorious uh, for as far as like you know the people talk about like like the dead eyes. I in the Polar hate Express. this movie so much. I can't even get to tell you, but yeah, I think I, I think the animation is just dreadful and dreadful. But it looks good in four K. Oh, good. That's, that's oh, what I'm I will glad. say. I'm glad. And I'm I, sorry. I, do I don't think mean to be that... negative jerk about it, but I just hate this movie. Oh, it's alright. I think it, I do still think it's funny that like Tom Hanks plays like four characters in this. Yes, because he plays. Spoiler alert! He plays Santa Claus. He <laughs> he he plays the little boy. Uh, he plays like the what was it like the? Well, he's the train uh, conductor. Like specific, yeah, the train conductor. Oh yeah, the one that like looks most like him, the train conductor. Yeah. And then he plays like the the hobo. Yeah. Yeah. Too so. I there could probably be like a like a metaphorical discussion about this whole movie where like the reason why he plays all four of those characters is is that that little boy is uh, projecting this image of himself as an adult into like these other scenarios and scenes that he goes into yeah. throughout the movie. Yeah. And that he is actually conducting his own journey to discovery of belief in Santa Claus. I don't know. Uh, exactly. Uh, well, and yeah. you know, for, for me, Mark, I'm, 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 it's, it is the eyes. Uh, yeah. The uh, like cold, dead, 
dead eyes. Yeah, the dead eyes. I mean, it's such it's a fun story. It's a beloved book, and I just thought that that uh, and I think that the you know I know that in, in a way I feel it's I think it's it's an experimental film in a lot of ways because they were really testing out this yeah. technology, which is cool. I mean, the, you know, I don't I don't necessarily fault that, but. I, I just remember the whole time watching it, I was like, man, wouldn't this have been cool if this was even in like 2D animation? Or if someone like Pixar right. had done it, where uh, the, you know, the faces were actually emotive you know, and expressive, yeah. and, and, and uh, you could have really gotten a much more satisfying viewing experience, I, you know, I think, rather than just like, oh my gosh, what am I looking at? Um, yeah, that, that makes me think too. Like, I know they've done uh, Toy Story That Time Forgot, uh, as far as like a Christmas yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. But I, I would like to. See, that would be actually cool to see Pixar make like a holiday film. Like I know they, they've done, uh, Dia de la, yeah, excuse me, Dia de la Muertes, uh, yeah. with Coco, uh, but I'm pretty sure that's like the only holiday that they've. That done. yeah, I'm with you. And I, so that would be cool to to see them do like a Christmas movie or. Something along those lines. But speaking of Tom Hanks playing four different characters in here, there's a bonus feature on this. Uh, again, these are all uh, like, uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, like pre existing bonus features that have been on like the Blu rays or DVDs. There's one on here that was the many polar faces of Tom Hanks, uh, which has uh, basically is all about the four different roles that he plays in the movie. Uh, but that's going to do it for the Cinemark reviews, so we'll be back in a moment with the news for this episode. All right, and we are back with our news section slash our main section this week. Uh, so I figured started off uh, with uh, remembering Kevin Conroy quickly, who unfortunately recently passed away this past week. It was only... 66? 66? Yeah. So, um, I, I don't think they said, or like said, um, the reason. I read Re- cancer or, Mark, uh, from another yeah, source. Yeah, was, okay. And that he oh, yeah, had just so, recently been diagnosed. And, and so, yeah. you know, fast moving or I, you know, of course I don't know more than that. But. Or, or yeah, possibly like undiagnosed for a while. Right. But yeah, cancer definitely sucks. Ah, um, horrible. Yeah, and it's been interesting to see like the like the different like people that he worked with like just kind of uh, talking about uh, like their time working with him, like Will Friedel, uh talking about working with him on yeah. Batman Beyond, and Mark Hamill. Uh, you know, yeah, Mark Hamill with him in the, as the Joker in the show. Uh, our friend. Uh, Jason Marsden talking about working with him as well. Um, so, and like, Marsden's a huge Batman fan too. So isn't Will Friedle. Like, you talked to Will Friedle like years and years and years ago. Yeah. For, randomly for like a, a Transformers. Uh, yeah. I think really, where he's like Bumblebee, but uh, it's, it's, it sucks. Uh, just because you, I mean, that 66 is still really young. It's young. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he was he. You know, or I guess I think he remains. He's the definitive Batman. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think you know 
sure there's been a lot of actors that that have played him. I feel like they try to imitate him, and none of them do it. None of them really did it well. You know, it's 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 yeah. it's, it's, it's 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 all Kevin Conroy. Yeah, like when you like, especially like when if I uh, read any uh, like Batman comics nowadays, um, that's still the voice that that's, I, that I hear for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, Paul Dini shirt just shared like a photo of like Batman, oh like, wow into the, like the night. Yeah, there've been a lot of tributes. Um, uh, yeah, to him, I think his his work impacted a lot, and I think we're not alone. I think in our sentiments, you know, about about how well he played Batman. Yeah. Uh, so, like some of the stuff that people shared with it, uh, like we said, Mark Hamill uh, said Kevin was perfection. Uh, he was one of my favorite people on the planet, and I loved him like a brother. He truly cared for the people around him. His decency shone through everything he did. Every time I saw him or spoke with him, my spirits were elevated. Uh, and the other thing I would suggest people uh, look into as well uh, is there was a comic recently uh, that he had wrote um, like about him uh, coming out that was called uh, Finding Batman. Uh, oh, yeah. It was DC, yeah. DC published DC it. DC published it, didn't they? Yeah, should should be able to find it pretty easily, but it was called uh, Finding Batman, and I think it's free, uh, but it's a hundred page um, and like anthology spotlight. Of, it's like it was part of like the DC Pride 2022, uh, so it's which spotlighted a bunch of the different DC LGBTQ plus characters and creators, and then his installment in it was that. Uh, it was this, like a personal story that he had penned uh, with art by Jay Bone and lettering by Adita Bidikar. Uh and it's the art look looks really cool to me. It's like it's a, like a drawn recreation of like what Kevin Conroy looked like. But um, I would highly recommend checking that out too because it's a, a great story. Well, Mark, um, and oh, go ahead, please. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was just gonna say he's he's also like the the only um, openly gay man that ever played Batman too so I think that's that's pretty cool that he was able to share a story about well and what I had, um, yeah what I had read is that uh, it was by playing Batman that gave him the courage you know to to uh, to come out and uh, anyway um, it's 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 a real loss I think to have Kevin Connor gone at such an early at such an early age you know and he we were talking about you know we talked about these animated projects, but he did didn't he do like like a lot of video games and and uh, yeah. just also you know yeah yeah he did like I mean he did like Justice like Justice League show the Batman animated series yeah the Batman Beyond uh, but then like yeah more recently he, like he did do like the Arkham Asylum games he did a few of the uh, animated films as well too yeah like um, and then yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's garnering more attention now. But Mask of the Phantasm, uh, was also like a big, uh, Batman film that initially didn't get a lot of credit, but I think a lot. I think over time it's really become a beloved film, right? 
but uh, it's going to be tough to seg- segue away from it at all, but we, d- we did want to just briefly at least talk about uh, Kevin Conroy. And uh, just, I think my, like, he's definitely my favorite Batman. I think, like, um, live action or animation. Uh, and what's what's kind of funny is that I think my second favorite Batman is also animated very different end of the spectrum with uh, Will Arnett. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I, that's kind of funny. I think that my two favorite Batman Batman are uh, are the animated. The animated. Yeah. 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 So and speaking of live action to animation oh my gosh. I let us Stanford, take it away with this next one. So, Mark, you know how Disney is hell-bent on remaking every one of their animated classics into a live-action-slash-CGI film. Uh, so, uh, Hercules is is uh, going to be getting this treatment. Um, and there's just been some more information that, that this, that's recently uh, come out about this. Again, just a couple quotes. So... Um, I think what's interesting about this Hercules project is who's involved, who's on the team. So it's being produced by the Russo brothers, by Joe and Anthony Russo. And um, and it's being directed by Guy Ritchie. So, you know, Guy Ritchie directed the live action slash CGI um, Aladdin. Aladdin, yeah. And, um, you know... I would never put Guy Ritchie and Disney together, <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. And you know, Guy did, Ritchie did an incredible job, uh, uh, but but uh, so this, this the quote from this movie is that um, at least this, in this article that you know we have from Daily Variety is that they um, that this film that this this Hercules remake is going to be, quote, a little bit more experimental in tone, a little bit more experimental in execution, um, whatever that means. And then they're saying that they want it to be, that they are that they inspired by TikTok. So does that mean we're going to get a lot of dance, you know, dancing? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... Uh, you know, it's it's a musical. Uh, again, I'll just I'll just read this quote. Um, there are questions about how you translate it as a musical. Audiences today have been trained by TikTok, right? What is their expectation of what that musical looks like and feels like? That can be a lot of fun and help us push the boundaries a little bit on how you execute a modern musical. So, anyway, what do you think about uh, you know the TikTok Hercules? Um, I don't, I don't know, I, I will, I almost think that, like, that quote maybe from the story hopefully is taken out of context and it was just, like, some kind of, like, random analogy for, like, something to try to compare it to, hopefully in a way where it's, like, a like an energetic kind of a musical film 
uh, and less like traditional um, than like say you know like uh, like singing in the rain kind of like a musical or something like yeah. that or like even more like some of the more recent like Disney live action uh, musical uh, renditions like Beauty and the Beast or uh, whatever else it may be uh, at least that's my, my hope just because like I would I wouldn't want them to base like an adaptation of something that they're making off of like a current kind of app specifically like and i know like they wouldn't like like say tiktok or anything like that in the in the movie uh i always feel old because i still have no idea well mostly have no idea how to use tiktok still i think i've posted four things on it and three out of the four things were just videos of of my mini schnauzer sylvie with like maybe maybe like a music track added yeah them. yeah uh and it's usually so but yeah uh and I liked, I liked Guy Ritchie's uh, version of Aladdin for the most part. Like the animated Aladdin is still my favorite animated Disney film. So any variation or uh, redone version of that movie was always going to be kind of an uphill battle for me to like in any way. And I liked that that movie was different and like different enough from like the animated film that it actually felt like it was trying to tell its own version of a story and wasn't just trying to do a here's what here's what you saw in the animated movie now here it is in live action yeah uh so i at least i trust and then like the rooster brothers i trust them for like being able to do like ensemble action based uh, films as well too uh, like between like their Marvel films that they've done or like more recently with like The Grey Man yeah. or something like that yeah. so I'm curious to see how that uh, segues into them taking on like a live action Disney film like this um, so it should be because I, I think that could lend itself well between like how Guy Ritchie shoots uh, his action in the movies that he's done outside of Disney and between the movies like they've produced and directed outside of Disney, uh, I think it could lend itself well to, especially like some of like the action scenes in here with like Hercules taking on like the type, like different Titans, Titans or, like, and different... the Hydra and all the Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that could be cool. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see who they get to, to play uh, Hercules in this too. Yeah. I, I, but they definitely need to get Danny DeVito to play Phil again. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I am. I'm really curious about this project and this article. I mean, it was interesting to read. You know, read the quote. I'm. I'm hoping that I, you know that they're wanting to try something different. Please, you know, I'm. I'm. All, I'm all for it. And I think that they've got. It sounds like they've got a good creative team that they're assembling. So, fingers crossed. What's also interesting, you know, that there's. Just as a side note, uh, Hercules is also coming to Broadway, uh, yeah. and and uh, that I know that they're doing their 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 kind of out of town tryout in New Jersey, starting I think it's starting like in February or March of 2023, and hmm. and uh, anyway, so so we have a lot of Hercules. It's 
that, you know, the animated movie, while I feel it's a bit uneven, it's so much fun. The music is so great. And, and I just, there's, there's a lot of potential. So anyway, I think we've got to, we can have a lot of Hercules in our future over the next yeah. two or three years. Yeah, and everything in this headline paired together is ju- just as crazy as James Woods. James Woods. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so hopefully it goes better than his craziness. Anyways, uh, segueing to another Disney thing, uh, which will be on Disney Plus shortly, and uh, I like how Disney's done stuff like this too, so they're going to be streaming Encanto that was at the Hollywood Bowl, uh, an original special. It's going to be on Disney Plus December 28th. So I liked how they did this with, uh, like, Hamilton. Yeah, and then uh, and that show at Epcot, um, Harmonious. Did you watch ever watch that on Disney Plus? I haven't It's yet. terrific. I, 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 and then I saw they did uh, an Elton John. Yeah, they were going to show this Elton this, John concert that's... His last yeah, it's streaming it live. Yeah, his last concert at Dodger Stadium in L.A. Um, yeah, so that should be. I, I like that they're doing stuff. Me like this. too. So, like I wish, I wish they would have, like more um, streaming or st- streaming services. I know like there's some streaming services that are specifically for like Broadway and musical stuff like that, but I wish that more musicals would film like the first like the first cast of a show uh, and and film it much kind of like in the same way as like Hamilton was for Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, so that, because not like everyone's ever going to get to go to like see a Broadway show, like even if they really want to. So like, like Lion King or like Aladdin or Frozen or like specifically like Disney since they've already done like a bunch of, like a few of these now on Disney Plus. So it'd be cool for them to be able to do that with some of these already running shows. I know some of these are like well past their original casts now, um, but I think it could still be cool for them to film them. And if anything, that just gives them like another revenue stream for those musicals too, outside of people just only being able to go see it on Broadway. Cause then, you know, they can sell it on Disney movie club, like as a Blu-ray um, so that's another place that they can make money or they get more subscribers to Disney plus because oh, people are like, Oh, now I can, I've wanted to see that, but I can't ever get to, cause maybe, maybe they live, I don't know, like in the UK or somewhere that like, that's going to be a pretty tough to get to yeah. like Broadway or somewhere yeah. where it's playing to watch it. So that's always been my thing, or at least recently that I think they should do more of these like that. Cause, uh, like Netflix has like the Shrek musical on there. Uh, and I believe there's another one on there, but I don't know. I think it's a good idea to be able to have like these available to outside of just only giving that very like exclusivity to only being able to see it like on the show. And I know, cause you still get a different experience if you're there live and watching it on your TV. Cause I'm, I'm assuming Hamilton on Broadway feels very different than watching it at home on your couch. Right. So, but uh, I think Sylvie agrees too. I don't know if anybody else can hear her. On the Sylvie mic. is uh, chiming in. But she, she's a big Broadway fan. Um, but, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to the, uh, the Encanto uh, Hollywood Bowl. 
Oh, me too. Being on Disney that's Plus. gonna be that's gonna sh- should be just terrific. Yeah. Uh, but uh, from there, I will let you take the the next. Well, so uh, Nickelodeon Animation, and you know, of course, you know their parent company uh, Paramount. They've set release dates for two big animated uh, features. Uh, they've got another SpongeBob SquarePants film that is going to be in theaters. That is going to hit. Um, the release date is May twenty third, twenty twenty five. So mark your calendars, friends, uh, for for the next SpongeBob SquarePants big screen adventure. Uh, we don't have a lot of information on what that film is actually going to be. Um, so who knows if it's going to be. 2D, 3D, hybrid, you know, anyway. Yeah, the thing I'll give the SpongeBob movies, too, is that they've all been very different. Yeah, they have been. Uh, like, the, like, the first one was all hand-drawn animation. The second one had, like, a mixture of hand-drawn animation uh, and, and some CG animation. And then, like, this most recent one had hand-drawn animation or no it was it wasn't hand-drawn animation but it wasn't like straight up cg animation too it was like this very stylistic style yeah yep yeah blend blended version of it so i like that not they're not quote-unquote like i don't think any other ones are lazy but i'm saying they're they're not quote-unquote lazy by just like going yeah they're different for the base version of like what spongebob looks like on tv they try to go for like a new like w- way for the the movie to look and then my son and i just finished season two of the last airbender uh just the past few days ago um so nice we should we should be we should be done with uh season three by the time by 2025 yeah so the next the next film that they said it release days for it was for the first of three sequels of, of, of Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, this, this is set to be released October 10th, 2025. And it, uh, as I mentioned, um, they're developing three animated films, uh, or three, you know, that, that are going to be focused on, on Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, the film is officially set will will officially be set year years after the third season finale of the original series. It will once again center around Aang and his friends who will be returning as young adults. Although we got a few glimpses of them as adults through flashbacks in Avatar the Legend of Korra. Uh, fans haven't seen the full team Avatar together in more than a decade since the last Airbender's conclusion in 2008. So uh you know that what I'm excited about. I think I think yeah, when that when that finally comes out or when those sequels finally come out, those I think have a lot of potential to be really interesting. No release date, no dates have been have been set, or at least communicated about the other two sequels to it. But that first first one again, market calendars October 10th, 2025. This made me think is that. One uh, uh, Patrick and I were watching the like season two finale the other day. I was like, so this aired about 
a couple days after your first birthday. I was gonna say, then, yeah, was was Patrick even born? Yeah. Yeah. And then this this movie will come out like a month sh- shy of his twentieth birthday. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. So, cause he, t- cause he'll, uh, the from the day of us recording this, he'll he'll be turning, uh, seventeen tomorrow. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Happy birthday to Patrick. (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of stuff that uh, I like as well as my son likes, uh, and apparently just as much as Sylvie likes being a pain in the butt while I'm recording this, (laughs) uh, um, is that Daniel Kaluuya uh, is joining the Across the Spider-Verse film as Spider-Punk. Spider-Punk is like a more recent uh, addition to the, the Spider-Verse uh, within the comics. It's a, so Spider-Punk, uh, if, if you haven't seen what he he looks like, uh, Spider-Punk was in the 2000... The, well, the PS4 uh, game that came out recently. It was one of like the skins you could play the game with. Uh, and think of like a punk rock... <laughs> Uh, like a late 80s uh, punk rock version of Spider-Man. Uh, and that's kind of what uh, Spider-Punk looks like. He's got like a like a denim vest on. He's got like the Liberty Spike kind of uh, like horn kind of things going on on his, uh, his mask as well. Um, <laughs> and I don't believe he... Uh, is British in the comics, so I w- I'm wondering if Daniel Kaluuya will uh, will also be British in this, or will be British in this. Uh, but like, he was originally meant to be a spider, like a Spider UK variation. Uh, so that's I think that's why in my head I have that he would have like the have the you know the british accent for spider punk uh but the character is pretty cool like in design and whatnot so i'm interested to see how they'll be utilized in uh the movie as well and they they did do uh some stuff with him in the ultimate spider-man animated series uh and in that version of the show oh yeah See, that's why it's stuck in my head. In that version of the show, he did speak with, a, like, a Cockney accent. Uh, so think Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins, but a better Cockney accent. Uh, but, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I, I'm a big fan of Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, he was great in uh, Get Out in Nope. Uh, he, was in, he was great in Black Panther. Yeah. He's in a really good episode of uh, Black Mirror. Uh, from many years ago. Uh, if you haven't seen that one, definitely look that one up. But I'm, I'm excited to hear him lend his voice to the Spider-Verse. And usually, at least from whenever I see articles like this come out, that means like they've already like recorded all their dialogue and it's like they've been d- done with it for a while, yeah. but they're just kind of like parsing out how they're releasing this information to people to let them know. Right. Uh, but yeah, this has me excited, and I mean, at this point, this movie would have already been out initially, so 
I'm excited to see this next summer when it does come out. I'm oh, I can't wait. Uh, you know, uh, these these next two movies from Sony, are, I think, are going to be mind blowing. So uh, this, this is a fun. It's a cool. It's a cool addition. And I, I would be I would be surprised if more information just kind of continues to trickle out about it. Yeah. You know, and just how how uh, how cool and mind blowing it's going to be. Yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, Henry Selleck, the uh, stop motion animation director, he's, I mean, you know, he's been doing a lot of press, it seems like. Partly just, I think, well, I guess mostly because of uh, his latest film, Wendell and Wild, is now available on Netflix. And I think he's been playing at film festivals. And, and 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 whatnot, you know, as we talked about last episode, I saw it at uh, the Animation is Film Festival, and Henry Selleck was there, and he talked a little bit about it. But one thing, so uh, specifically, an article uh, that uh, um, that we read from the AV Club website is talking about how he's ready to get his his due. One of the things that's been interesting about Henry Selleck's films is that, of course, he gets credit as being the director, but I think a lot of people aren't necessarily sure. They just don't know that he is the director of these films. Uh, probably the, the most egregious, I don't know if that's the right word, Mark, but uh, the, the Nightmare Before Christmas, which he directed, the full title of that is Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. So I think a lot of people assume that Tim Burton directed directed The Nightmare Before Christmas, which he did not. He wrote it and then, of course, did the character designs for it, but Henry Selleck and his team were the ones who brought it to life. And, and uh, I think Henry Selleck is... He said... he, he uh, um, The AV Club... Uh, you know, writer for for the website sat down with him at the Savannah Film Festival recently, and t- and was talking with him um, about it. And he, uh, it sounds like he's he's ready for people to you know uh, acknowledge him. <laughs> and who can blame him? You know, uh, who, who can blame him? Interesting thing I was reminded to, uh, in just you know reading and well hearing. He, Hearing him speak, you know, Henry Selleck, I think we talked about this a little bit too, so sorry for repeats, but, you know, he was about ready to quit. Um, yeah. He he had signed on to do uh, a film. It was announced in 2009. Um, he was going to do a film for Pixar, a stop-motion animation film um, called The Shadow King. And he got hired after the success of Coraline and The Shadow King was a fantasy film about a boy who uses his extremely long fingers to craft shadows that could fight monsters and would have made animation history. Of course, it's Pixar's first stop-motion feature. And it sounds like Selleck and, and, and John Lasseter really clashed about this project over time and maybe other Disney executives and, 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 and who knows what. But um, also... Yeah, movies of... I'll go ahead. Movies about shadows. Movies about shadows do not have. I know that what was that DreamWorks one. 
Me, me and, my and my shadow. shadow. That that movie had so many different variations. Edgar Wright was going to direct it most recently. Yeah. I remember, I was really excited about that too. With like, it had Bill Hader as the voice, which I'm assuming they recorded all the yeah. dialogue for that too. And I remember it was supposed to be like a mix of the CG animation in like the quote unquote real world, and then the Shadow World was going to be a hand drawn animation, which sounded really cool. And then I got really excited when Edgar Wright was supposed to be directing it too. I was like, oh, cool, he's going to be directing an animated movie. So, so we, I, because I felt like. I still feel like his visual style lended to an animated film would be great. Like the same way that transitioning Wes Anderson's kind of like visual style to animated movies, like with uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Isle of Dogs, how that transitioned, how you would assume it would. Yeah. I, I want to see an Edgar Wright animated movie. I know. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Um, but Henry Selleck. Hopefully this Hunter Selleck movie comes out too. Yeah. You know, he talks about, too, in this interview, um, James and the Giant Peach. Uh, he, you know, Henry Selleck, of course, directed it. Um, but, uh, he, you know, it's like, he, well, he just, I'll just, I'll just go ahead. Uh, working on that, he had a, he had a horrible uh, relationship with a Disney executive named David Vogel on the quote and, and Henry Selleck says, may he rot in hell. <laughs> uh, uh, but he said, he said he sucked so much juice out of the movie because of his ego that it really hurt the film. Uh, but then he, then on the, on the opposite side, he talks about how Henry Selleck uh, worked with, with Wes Anderson, uh, specifically on The Life Aquatic with Steve Sizu. Uh, and he was hired to create oh, yeah. CG characters um, that that he designed, that you know, that Henry Selleck designed, and he put together a small crew, and he was wonderful. And he said, you know, that was very collaborative, and a really wonderful uh, experience. Um, anyway, it's it's interesting to get these different perspectives, isn't it, about the collaborative and complicated process it is to bring an animated film to life, and and also, you know, that. It's too bad, I think, in a lot of ways that Henry Selleck isn't more of a name outside of, of us animation, you know, outside of the animation, both the, the industry and then the, you know, the fan community, too. Because I think we all, of course, right. are very well aware of him, but, but, you know, others aren't. Yeah. Like, I, had, I think I had said to someone the other day that it's kind of a bummer that if you asked... Um, five people who directed the, which the t title of the movie is technically Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas um, if you asked five people who directed that movie who you think like how many people would say Tim they're going to say Tim Burton say Henry Selleck yeah. even if you asked people who directed James and the Giant Peach I'm sure a lot of them would also say Tim, Tim Burton. Burton for that too yeah yeah Although what's what's funny, uh, on the flip side of that is that I remember when the Corpse Bride uh, came out. I was working at Blockbuster at the time. Even though that movie is also called Tim Burton's Corpse Bride, uh, someone's like, "Do you have the the new Henry Selleck uh, stop motion animated <laughs> film Corpse Bride?" <laughs> so in that case, that movie actually was directed by Tim Burton. Right. Exactly. But, so. I, yeah, I thought that was like kind of a funny flip side thing that that I always remember because of that. 
Um, one, fi- one final note, too, Mark. I do hope I just that wanna... he gets more recognition. Yeah, no, I agreed. One final note, too. Even though Henry Selleck directed Coraline, he was very complimentary of Travis Knight at Leica and just saying what a talent yeah. he is. And then, you know, that was a good experience. Uh, yeah, it seems like he just uh, hasn't had, like, a good uh, experience track record with, at least with people who were in charge at Disney at the time yeah. that he was attempting to make films there after Nightmare Before Christmas. Right. Um, but from there, from there, uh, you know, uh, this one is. Uh, sorry. No, please say. Have you, have you got a good transition for this one? I know I don't. Uh, the uh, um, not being much of a Pokemon person myself, I am aware of it, but uh, the Pokemon people. Um, the, I guess this is say that technically the Pokemon Company announced that Ash um, and his Pokemon pal Pikachu achieved their long-awaited goal during the latest episode of Pokemon Ultimate Journeys in the series where the iconic duo won the Masters 8 Tournament of the Pokemon World Coronation Series. So, um, Ash... Which this means that Ash finally becomes the world's top trainer after 25 long years. Um, when they asked Pikachu looks about pretty, it, looks pretty good for being in his 30s. I know he looks really good. When asked, when Pikachu was asked about it, you know he responded Pikachu, and and uh, there you go. So um, can't believe they printed that. That's, that's it's those are some. Uh, Pikachu might get canceled saying some stuff like that. You know? <laughs> I know. Pikachu talking smack. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, I guess I guess it's a it's a it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool thing. But um, it seems to me that the Pokemon company, I guess, can announce whatever they want about whoever <laughs> whoever in the world they want. But yeah. I guess it, Ash finally gets his due. Yeah, it's cool. It's like you want to like stuff like that with storylines with like long running animated series. You don't uh, ever expect to actually reach the fruition of the storyline that started however many years ago when that thing started. Like um, you'll probably never see a conclusion to any storyline on like The Simpsons or anything like that. Or, like, we'll probably never see, I mean, outside of, like, Flash Wars or whatnot with, like, South Park, probably never see uh, the four characters of that make it past the fourth grade. I mean, they, they made it from third grade to fourth grade, at least, within the run of the show, but they're still now in the fourth grade for, like, the past, like, 12 or 15 years at this point. Because I think they moved from third grade to fourth grade, like, halfway through like the show's run like 10 seasons into it or so. Um, but uh, moving, speaking of moving from uh, the third to fourth grade, uh, I'm going to segue to us talking about Clone High. All right, so speaking on Clone High, we, uh, 
short run animated series that was produced by, uh, you know, now uh, well known Phil Lord and Chris Miller. You know, we've talked about Spider Verse already a little bit. Uh, who were the producers on that? The Cod with Chance of Meatballs, uh, original directors of Solo, uh, among many other things. Uh, but their uh, short run. Uh, TV series has confirmed to be back on track for 2023, uh, despite even all of, like the HBO Max cuts and everything like that. So that's uh, very exciting that this is still going to be happening. Uh, and there's actually there's actually a Clone High uh, reference in the first Into the Spider Verse, uh, which I think it was like Clone College or something like that, uh, like in one of like the uh, Times Square. Uh, shots you'll see it like in one of the ads there uh, but they said the 20 years ago today our first show clone high debuted seems to seems about time to unfreeze the clones they'll be fully thought out in 2023 on hbo max miller tweeted to celebrate the 20th anniversary of clone high hbo max gifted us some industrial strength hair dryers thawing out in 2023 lord added um, and it was originally on mtv for the animated series back when mtv did some animated shows yeah. like uh, Daria, like the yeah, Daria, Beavis and Butthead, yeah. uh, the uh, the Neil Patrick Harris Spider-Man animated series, uh, as well as uh, under I think I said Undergrounds already, uh, and then Clone High as well too. Uh, but I I'm looking forward to this. It was also produced alongside Bill Lawrence. Uh, Bill Lawrence, you know, has done like Scrubs, Ted Lasso, uh, many or Spin City. So he's He's got a. He was. He did like. He wrote like one episode of Boy Meets World too. Oh wow! Uh, so he's got a, like a good, good track record of, of stuff that he's helped produced and worked on. So I'm looking forward to this. It also is hopefully going to pick up uh, where season one's cliffhanger ending was, where all the clones are being frozen. Um. So which, with like this kind of like tease that they've done, it seems like that's what's happening with them on freezing them. Uh, so I, I am definitely looking forward to this, and it has a a two season order HBO Max, so it's already uh, one more season than it got at MTV. Yeah. So hopefully this allows them to uh, either finish their story or continue it to wherever they would have initially ended the story to begin with. Uh, but it's it's. Definitely, like, if you've enjoyed uh, Lord and Miller's, like, other uh, films and TV series that they've worked on over the past few years, uh, you'll definitely enjoy this as well, too, because that, if you go back and watch the first season of the show, you can see uh, their same kind of, like, humor and writing that experienced in, like, Cloud with Chance Meatballs or Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah make its way or like see where it where it began back back then yeah. uh, but i i'm definitely looking forward to that did you ever see the original no, season of I that at all i did mark but i don't it was so long ago uh you know just in prepping for the episode i it was fun to see the the art you know at least because oh, yeah. oh yeah oh yeah I, I remember you know i remember that but i just don't uh uh, so I'm 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 looking forward to it, checking it out, see how. Yeah, it, it's almost very uh, Gandhi Tartakovsky esque yes. character designs. Uh, though it's not, 
but it looks very similar to that. Uh, and speaking of character designs, the last bit of news before we go to our trailers was uh, Marvel Studios' uh, budget restrictions on the that first season of What If uh, kind of completely changed how they were originally going to do the show because uh, each episode was meant to have its own distinct kind of uh, animation style to it, which I think is really cool and d definitely very... Um, I don't know, what's the, the word? Uh, ambitious? That's what I was trying to think of. So it's definitely ambitious where, like, I think that would have been cool, like, you say one episode had been, like, hand-drawn animation, one episode was CG animation, one episode's claymation, one episode's pop, so, uh, sock puppets, one episode is, um, I don't know, did I say stop motion already? You uh, do watercolor. Yeah. I guess, basically, if if you've seen uh, the Captain Underpants movies, that movie, that movie did essentially every variation of animation within yeah. it. <laughs> which I which I thought was funny watching. I was like, geez, they used every medium of animation within this film. So if if anything, you have to give that to the Captain Underpants movie that they were that they did that in that movie. But he said. Uh, the so like the artistic inspiration for the film or TV series rather ended up being um, mostly Norman Rockwell esque with like the Saturday Evening Post. Yeah. Um. So if you so if you see like a lot of the the uh, uh, like spec art for the show, a lot of it's even like done like on that Saturday Evening Post kind of like template and layout where it's kind of that white background with like the. Um, borders on the side and usually like the circular uh, I guess like shape art behind the, the main figure yes. character uh, and if you if you watch the uh, assembled uh, special for what if on Disney plus you'll see like a lot of this on there too uh, but so like when they when they did that with both time and budget uh, the visual language of the series kind of took some cues from uh, like they wanted to do more like um, film noir and whatnot, uh, and they also had wanted other concepts that haven't been on the show yet. Which I'm not sure if some of these will. Just like specifically, like this one was Black Panther with the Eye of Agamotto, um, Loki being worthy enough to wield Mjolnir. Um, so it would have been interesting to see a lot of this happen on there too. I'm not sure if we'll see any more of that stuff with Black Panther because, unfortunately, of Chadwick Boseman's passing. Um, uh, but there's, I think, it, I think it would have been cool though to see some of this stuff. And they said there, uh, there's also revealed that the audience will be seeing a 1988 iteration of the Avengers in season two. Uh, but some of the stuff in there, he said. I don't know what I'm allowed to share. He laughed at after watching a 1988 iteration of the Avengers, teasing that it's exciting to see who would be on that team. In addition to an episode with Hela, he also said that the season premiere picks up right where the season one finale left off. Uh, so the other thing I'm interested to see too is that there was the one of the things that was dropped from the first season because they didn't have time or I believe the budget to finish uh, the Gamora. Tony Stark on uh, Sakaar. Yeah. 
storyline like that was like in like all of like the promotion and like they even did like the the lego set um but it got cut from season one but like when they did the team up at the end of that season <laughs> that was still part of that i think that episode is still meant to be in season two i'm not sure if they'll rework it at all if it'll just be like oh hey watch this one in this order yeah but even though it already happened so i i was a big fan of the show and i liked seeing them do more animated stuff i liked the uh i'm groot shorts that they did recently. Oh, those are hilarious i love those too yeah so i hope that they continue to do more animation like we know that they're doing the spider-man freshman year and sophomore year yeah. uh, series they're continuing the like the x-men uh 97 animated series the marvel zombies series which is a spinoff of uh this first season of what if so there, there's plenty of more uh, marvel, marvel studios, studios animation yeah so we'll, we'll definitely have definitely more content to speak on our marvel studios in the future that's specifically animated uh, so, leaving our news section behind and uh, going into our last two segments uh, for the trailers this week, uh, we had spoken on this a little bit before, but they actually released a trailer for it now for the Mickey, the Story of a Mouse uh, documentary that's going to be on Disney Plus soon. Yeah, I believe on November 18th, which is Mickey Mouse's birthday. Yeah, oh yeah, because I remember any time... When we've gone to Disneyland in the past, like around my son's birthday, that usually like the day or so after we get back home is like when they do all the Mickey stuff and we're like, oh, we should have planned this better so that uh, that we could have been there for like the Mickey stuff during the, um, but which everyone also forgets it's also Minnie's birthday. I know. Too. Same. They, they share a birthday. And it's technically... And it's technically Pluto, or not Pluto, um, uh, wow, blinking, oh, what the heck's his name? Pete. Pete's birthday, Oh, okay, too. yeah. Because, yeah, because they were all in They were all Steve Willie. So, techni- so, uh, but I'm, I like that this documentary's gonna have Floyd Norman in it. I, I like, I like seeing him in more stuff with Disney lately, because he's, like, they did the documentary about him, but then like he's seemingly been showing up in a lot. More, yeah. He's really been uh, like of these. So I'm happy that he's like doing more stuff with them again. Yeah. I'm wondering how long this documentary might be and like how actually like, um, intuitive it might be if, if that's the right word for it. Uh, cause I feel like it's definitely just gonna be, it's gonna be more of a celebration of Mickey Mouse rather than like any kind of, bad side tangents that that may have gone awry at any point or so in, in the history of mickey mouse yeah you know what, if you know what i mean yeah uh, although if i feel like if anybody was going to talk about stuff like that it, it might it might be floyd norman right in the, in the documentary uh so i i'm looking forward to this um yeah me too like you said it, it will probably be on there uh, later this week not uh, probably by the end of this week from when we're recording this uh, so we'll, we'll probably talk up I bet this will be one of our recommendations yes in our in our um I don't I don't know if we're gonna be doing another one this month before the end of the month but if if not it'll definitely be in our uh, Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio episode that we'll have coming up in December 
Uh, but I am definitely looking forward to this. So what did you think about the... I mean, I mean, it's a trailer for a documentary, so... Yeah. Um, you know, I just... Just they had me in the concept, you know, like, yes, please. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm such a huge Mickey Mouse fan that... Yeah. Uh, and, and I just think some of the documentaries... Actually, most of the documentaries that, that I feel like they've created for, you know, specifically for Disney Plus have been good. Uh, and... Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've loved the, all the behind-the-scenes documentaries, you know, like you mentioned the, the Assembled series they've done for, you know, the Marvel shows and whatnot. Um, and the Disney Gallery shows, I think, that they've done for some of those Lucasfilm ones, etc. They've just, I hope I'm specific, using the right names. Um, I think have all been solid. And I love the Imagineering story. Did you watch any of those, Mark? Uh, yeah. Those I thought were yeah, terrific. Yeah, I've been enjoying that. So anyway, I'm stoked. Yeah. I just think uh, that uh, this this looks very promising, and I can't wait. Yeah, and speaking of things that Stanford is a big fan of, uh, the Boss, Boss Baby. Baby. I can't get enough Christmas. Boss Baby. <laughs> Christmas bonus, Christmas bonus promo. Yeah. So it, this was a, a trailer released recently for like the Netflix uh, like holiday special that DreamWorks is releasing for. Boss Baby Christmas bonus. Uh, <laughs> well, so I will let Stanford take it away about his, his favorite dream. Yeah, franchise. my favorite franchise for dreamers, one of the many. So I'm going to have to force myself to watch some of this because, you know, I just hate Boss Baby so much. But um, we'll, uh, you know, uh, clearly I'm not the target audience. I think people like Boss Baby and, and uh, you know, DreamWorks is, uh, you know, throwing out a Christmas special. So we'll see if fans like it. Um, and, and I guess, you know, people have to let me know how it is. Although I might force myself to at least watch some of it, maybe. Yeah, I've, like, I've liked some of the, like, the other DreamWorks uh, holiday specials that they've done in the past. Like the, like the Kung Fu Panda holiday one was actually pretty good. Uh and that, I mean, Shrek the Halls was like the original. Right, it was like the original. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I'm also not like a huge fan of like Boss Baby. Uh, I remember my son and I, like, I don't even remember what year it was that the first Boss Baby movie came out. We went to like a test screening. Or no, it wasn't even a test screening, it was just like an advanced. Just an like, early, regular. yeah, press screening or something. And like, even then, he was like the oldest quote unquote kid in in the theater and like there's it felt like the theater is full of boss babies if that makes yeah. sense because like it was just a bunch of like screaming kids and what like more than like any movie i think i've ever been to and i know that like that movie specifically is definitely directed at very young a really young kids. audience yeah yeah so um Anyways, uh, I felt that we should at least include it, but um, segueing out of our trailers into our recommendations this week, uh, there for my recommendation, it was an SNL uh, sketch from like back on their Halloween episode that they did, uh, which is so the premise of this sketch was: is it an AA meeting or a Pixar storyboard <laughs> session? Um, so in this in this sketch, uh, like it's kind of goes through them, um, 
contemplating like ideas for like a like what seems like a Pixar film like of uh, sentient luggage. Uh, I don't want to like give away like too many of the jokes in it, but like there is a nice uh, cameo in the sketch from a Pixar voice actor. Uh, that if you watched maybe any of the other segments that got released from that Halloween episode, you might be able to guess who that, that actor is. is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I would I would definitely highly re- recommend watching this uh, sketch if you're a fan of Pixar. It's, it's nice and like lighthearted. And it was I usually don't catch SNL until like the day or so after because I'm old and I don't stay up to watch it on TV, even though it technically airs earlier here in Arizona yeah. than it would if I still lived in New York. Uh, but our friend TJ over at uh, Pixar Post had shared the video on over on their account, so that brought it to my attention, and I went and looked it up so I could watch it. But I would definitely recommend checking this out if you haven't seen it. Did you see uh, the no, sketch, so I, I'm with you. I typically consume SNL on YouTube like the following day. And, you know, and they break up they break it up into the into the sketches, you know, when they put it when they put it on YouTube, and so yeah. I saw the David uh, as Pumpkins uh, return. Uh, that's one of my favorite. I love that one. It just makes me laugh every time. But um, I have not seen this one, so I, I I'm, I'm definitely gonna go check it out for sure. Yes, I think I think you'll find it very funny. okay. Excellent, excellent. My uh-huh. my recommendation is. Uh, I, I I noticed that it was the 82nd anniversary of the release of the original Fantasia, which was released in November of 1940, and I just thought, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna it's streaming on Disney Plus. I'm gonna watch it. I haven't watched it for a while. That is such a uh, an experience, you know, to want to watch that film. So anybody who hasn't watched it, or if you haven't watched it for a while. They join me and watch. We'll watch Fantasia uh, together and just kind of revel in, in, in the beauty and the weirdness of it. I, I, I love it. I just think it's such an interesting film. I, when I was in elementary school, Mark, you know, a hundred years ago, uh, they, Fantasia was it was back in the day before home video when Disney was re-releasing their animated features in theaters. And it was like kind of like on every seven years or so, if the you know the, if these films would be on this re-release rotation. And Fantasia was playing at a local theater, and we went as an elementary school. That was the, for my first experience with the film, and it's I you know I remember it vividly just because it was like oh my gosh what are we watching, you know and they and we they prepped us we we learned you know we learned about the music and the composers and stuff. Um, but I'll never forget seeing it on the big screen. In fact, I just that's one thing I wish we all could do too is watch it on the big screen cuz as fun as all it right. is to watch it on TV, um, it's such an all-consuming experience to watch it on 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 the big screen. I remember reading one I I think I was doing some some research on another project, but um, I was reminded that I I think in one of the re-releases in the 1970s or maybe late sixties, they did a very psychedelic Disney did a very psychedelic poster for Fantasia, you know, for this re release. And, and into it. anything that was uh 
You know, they were just kind of playing to the crowd that people, I think, used to go get high and go watch Fantasia or go get drunk or something, you know, just because it was just such an overwhelming kind of experience, you know. And that didn't happen when I was in elementary school. But uh, <laughs> I wish that we, you know, that would be something that, that would be fun to do. Anyway, we, I'm going to rewatch it on Disney Plus, and I'm stoked about it. Just, just go get some edibles, Stanford. Yes! And, and, wa- and, and then watch, watch it. And watch it back to back with Fantasia TV. Yes! Have a double feature. There you go. Excellent. But as, as we segue out of uh, talking about doing drugs. <laughs> yes. That are, that are, that are legal. That are, yes. Uh, Utah nerds. Yes. Uh, uh, we will say that, um, if you're listening to this in the U.S., uh, uh, within I think I think whatever like the next week or so, uh, happy Thanksgiving uh, for this month, and happy belated Thanksgiving if you live in Canada yes. for October. Uh, but uh, we'll be back in December with our our next episode uh, covering Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pinocchio. The time of all speaking out some other things. Uh, but don't forget, you can follow us individually on Twitter. All that information is in the show notes for each episode, uh, both on our website and in the wherever you're listening to the podcast. You can find both my information, Sanford's information, as well as where you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, or you can email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. Our website is just animationfascination.net. There's links there for merch too so if you want t-shirts stickers magnets whatever it might be uh i will say that the t-shirts are pretty comfy and then if you have watched any of the more recent youtube videos that we did i was wearing the the t-shirt and the our wendell and wild uh review too i love my t-shirt too yeah they're soft, right? Oh, they're comfortable. Yeah, it's a great shirt. The the T public shirt, those T public shirts are like really soft yeah, for some reason. Yeah. Um, uh, also, thank you again to Trent Factor who edits our episodes. But I'm Mark Dibert for myself, Stanford Clark. Uh, thank you for listening, and make sure to tune in again next time.